Welcome to episode number 89 of the Marine Lair podcast. James Paxton was spotted at the Winter Classic this weekend at T-Mobile Park. What does that mean for the Mariners? We'll dive into that and tie that directly to the futures of Bryce Miller and Brian Wu and what they could potentially fetch on the open market. Your reminder, before we start the show, make sure to download our episodes, leave us that five-star review, follow the show wherever you get your audio podcasts, go watch the full YouTube podcast, video side on YouTube, like, comment, subscribe over there, and check us out on social media on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube shorts at Marine Layer Pod. Let's get it rolling. And we welcome you to this episode of the Marine Layer Podcast, part of the Just Baseball Podcast Network, recording here on Tuesday, January 2nd. Happy New Year, dog. How does it feel to be in 2024? Flying cars, rocket ships going to Pluto, everything. It's the world's changed. I've changed. We've all changed. I never thought it would look like this. Are we any closer to going to Mars now, now that the calendar's turned? I hope so, right? Oh, one year closer than we were in 2023. We didn't get there. That's good perspective. I think the best thing about the New Year dog, and I thought a great way to start this with is we're just going to have a a little aired out session here with I'm just going to ask you, what's your New Year's resolution? Okay, I'm going to be totally honest. I think New Year's resolutions are total bullshit, and I'll tell you why. Because what people do when they make New Year's resolutions is usually give up on them in the first couple weeks. How often do you hear people say, oh, I've got a New Year's resolution, and then they just keep it going for the whole year, two years, five years, etc. That doesn't happen. There's people that say, oh, I'm going to go to the gym to start the new year and actually get back into working out, and they go for two weeks. And it's like, yeah, maybe next week I'll go a couple times. And after that, it's like, yeah, maybe I'll go once. And then after that, it's like, yeah, maybe I'll go once a month, and then you don't go. So I think much like people that say they're going to diet, New Year's resolutions are fake. And I say that because like dieting is not a thing because dieting means, oh, for X amount of time, I'm going to eat healthy and then I'm going to go back to eating like crap, where it's the same thing with a New Year's resolution. I think if you actually want to commit to doing something, you truly commit to doing something and it's not because, oh, the calendar flips. So now I just went on a little tirade about New Year's resolutions. That being said, I would love to hear yours. So I'm not usually a New Year's resolution guy, and I'm going to push back on your dieting thing a little bit. People do diet. Like dieting is changing, essentially changing your diet. That's what it is. If you keep it going long enough, you can stop calling it dieting. Is that fair? I think that's a little bit more fair. But people do have to diet to change their appetite and what they eat. Okay? Uh, okay. F- let, let's just make this clear. Uh, dieting is not mine. Unfortunately, I, I don't have any. I feel like I'm a, I'm a decently healthy enough person that when I do eat like shit, I, I think it balances out a little bit. Maybe when I get a little bit older and my uh, my uh, I forget my metabolism slows down, then I then I might reconsider. But for now, I think we're uh, I think we're doing good. I've actually committed to something this year, Lyle, that just right now here on the second day of this new year that I'm going to that I'm going to do. I, I've always said, like, I need new clothes. Like, I don't buy enough new clothes. I'm, I don't I don't have enough variety in my wardrobe. And I'm like, I'm kind of disappointed in myself. And I'm, and I'm fed up. And I'm like, I've made it a point this year. I'm like, you know what? I have money to spend. I'm going to be buying some new clothes. I need a lot of new clothes. I'm not a shopper. I don't go shopping. I don't go to the store and go browse through clothes and like, oh, I'm going to waste a Saturday. 
I'm not going to say waste because there are some people who actually take a lot of time to go shopping. But I'm not the type of person that's going to go spend three hours at Old Navy to go buy a new wardrobe. Like, that's not me. I'm not going to buy a bunch of things and return half of them. It just seems like too much time. But I wake up in the morning and I stare at my closet and I stare at a lot of the clothes I've owned since college, if that. College, by the way, seems like a short time ago, but we are four months away from it being four years ago. So it's uh, it's stacking up a little bit. And I, I just I can't even like describe how much like I've changed and my life has changed since you and I both graduated college in May of 2020. So I'm sitting there and thinking like, you know, I, I really could use some new stuff. I feel like it is just, it's time to update this. And you know what I'm doing? I'm putting my personal and financial commitment to to looking better this year. So I'm actually, I'm very excited to do it. Uh, I don't need to make my New Year's resolution to go to the gym. I already do go to the gym. Uh, so that's that's not an issue. But something I don't do is I slack off on keeping my wardrobe updated and and looking, I think, I feel like I could look better. So I'm going to make a commitment to do that this year. And I'm excited. I think it's going to be, I think it's going to be great. My wallet's going to hate it, but I think uh, it's going to pay off. I actually like that one. I never did getting new clothes as a new year's resolution, but I will say since we graduated college, I've put more investment into the clothes I buy. And I never used to want to be that person. You're talking about the person that threw, I don't know, way too long, 19, 20 years old, was just wearing baggy shorts and t-shirts forever. And and it was really at the point where I was like, okay, this is getting ridiculous. This has to stop. So a little bit in college, I was like, okay, I'll pick out a few new things. But especially once we graduated, I got a little more serious about, yeah, let's let's find some new clothes. Let's find some things that I really enjoy wearing that I'm looking forward to wearing. So I like that idea that I like that you're going to commit to it because especially then, I think you'll even feel it more when eventually the time in your life comes where you move to another place where maybe you feel like you're in a bigger city. It's kind of fun to wear more upscale clothes in a bigger city a lot of the time. Not all the time, but you have occasions where you say, oh, I'm glad I have this. And I want to I just want to have like more variety. For example, can I just start with today? Like I've never worn this combination before, like crew neck Mm -hmm. vest. Never done it. Watch on YouTube, by the way, if you want to hear me describe my outfit for the day. I've never worn this combination before and I actually kind of like it. I, I want the ability for more uh, for more variety, which I don't feel like I have. I feel like I'm very boxed in with what I have. And again, if you if you have the financial resources, which I feel like I do, and I think I manage my money pretty well, like I feel like this is an an, an option I have to go I have to go take. And I and I feel like by the time you reach your mid twenties and you're you're an adult, you're you are a flat out adult. It's time to take care of yourself, and I think that is what I'm doing with this. And I'm, I'm, I guess I, I'm excited. I, I'm very much looking forward to it. I, I got to make one more point before we move along here. Can you explain to me the point of a crew neck of those vests? I've never in my entire life understood. I guess what the point of wearing those things are when they have no sleeves, and it's just like, well, you're wearing a jacket, but it's not a jacket. It doesn't have sleeves. Like, it, like what what purpose is it serving? Well, it is like it is a first. If you look, it keeps you warm keeps your chest warm, which is which is good. Second, like layering is important in style, right? Uh, me, style expert, obviously, who needs to buy new clothes, <laughs> styling expert. But just having layers is uh, it not not again, not only is it warm, but it just gives you more like depth in your outfit. Like this is both gray in a in a in a better world. I probably wouldn't have gray on gray, but I think it still works and it's not too hot because it's what 40 degrees today in Corvallis but 
uh, I can wear sleeves and not have to wear a t-shirt and be worried about being cold, but also like not overly hot with a full on heavy jacket. Instead, I'm just keeping my torso warm and kind of balancing out a little bit. So that's my, that's my ballpark explanation. Okay, yours makes a little more sense. I'm just thinking back to high school. I used to see these kids wearing T-shirts and then wearing those crew neck, like, North Face vests. And I'm thinking there is no point in this whatsoever. It's 40 degrees out. You have short sleeves on short sleeves. I don't know. I don't know what purpose that served. What you just pitched to me, I can get behind. And I've, more my emphasis, too, is I want to buy some more jackets. I don't have enough jackets. Just layering has become a big thing. It really okay. has. It's like the Mariners layering a lineup, which I don't think people took too well to our uh, Friday episode. I don't think. Well, it sounds like they may need to go out a few more bats, hmm. which could tie into today's episode. I've got a story to tell, and it's going to tie into our first subject here. Before we do that, though, let's talk to you and give you a quick word about our friends over at Pagotcha's Pub 85. That's Pagotcha's Pub 85 in Kirkland. You want a great spot to go eat some great food, have some drinks, hang out with your friends and watch some games. I hope you were over there watching the college football playoff this past weekend because those were two phenomenal games. And there's 22 TVs in the place. So whatever you desire, whether it's football, basketball, hockey, baseball, once it starts back up again, we're not that far away. Head over there. And if you do so, you can get some great happy hour deals if you check out their happy hour specials. They are Monday through Friday, 2 to 6 p.m. And it includes $3 domestic beers, $4 Manny's Blue Moons, $4 Mac and Jacks, $4 Wells, $4 $4 house wines. Go check it all out. Hang out with your friends over at Pagotch's Pub 85 in Kirkland. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Mini Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Okay, I've got a little story to tell, a little New Year's Day story that's going to tie in. So I was going to go to the Winter Classic. I was planning to go. I stayed over at a friend's place in Seattle after New Year's Eve because we were planning to just head down there the next day and go to the game. We were saying, okay, we don't have tickets yet. They're not that expensive, but they might be a little bit out of the range we want to pay price-wise. So we said before the game, we'll just head down there, hang out, and then we'll buy tickets when it gets closer to game time. We have a friend from ASU who is an expert with this stuff, and I was trying to take a page right out of his book. Well, it turns out my friend and his girlfriend that he was going with the day before got tickets from somebody at their work. And and I didn't realize it till I saw him that night. And they said, yeah, we actually ended up getting tickets for a really good deal. They only had two. I was like, well, that's kind of unfortunate, but I guess I'll just buy my own ticket, figure it out from there. I get up on the morning of New Year's Day. Tickets say they're at about starting price, 140 bucks after fees are a little more than that. I was like, okay, it's about 745, eight o'clock. The game doesn't start till 12. It'll go down. So we head down to Seattle we're hanging out. We stop at a breakfast place. We stopped at a couple of the bars down by the, the stadium beforehand. And I'm just waiting for it to go down. I'm waiting for it to go down. It's, it's not going down as fast as I was hoping it would. And usually this does happen. Like these guys have to get rid of tickets, these ticketing sites before they just don't sell them anymore. So I figured at some point they'll go down. Right. And they didn't. I sat at the bar for what ended up being most of the game, because when the game started, tickets had gone up to 200 bucks. I was like, well, what just happened? That doesn't make any sense. 
Then in the first period, I'm like, well, if I go in in the middle of the first period, it's not a big deal. Then it's gone up to 300 bucks. This is the cheapest ticket, by the way. <laughs> and then by the end of the first period, it said it was $400 to go to the Winter Classic. So starting price, both on December 30th, New Year's Eve, morning and New Year's Day, was about 180 to 200 bucks. I was hoping to get it somewhere between 100 to 140 And then by the end of the first period, it was $400. So I said, you know what? It may not be in the cards. So if you want to know how my New Year's got started, that's how it got started, by a failed plan that was not executed. So how unfortunate. Man, you gambled. And it's almost as much of a gamble as what came out of the Winter Classic Mariners-wise, Lyle. It was, do you want to, do you want to say this? I, I was going to tie this in to your gamble okay. and the potential gamble that could be. Go ahead. Well, there were, it was tweeted out and it was made very apparent that James Paxton was sitting in the owner's suite at T-Mobile Park watching the hockey game and watching the Winter Classic. And it's like, huh. Why would it be public information that James Paxton is specifically sitting in the owner, the Mariners owner suite for the Winter Classic? It's like, huh, well, he's Canadian. He likes hockey. No, I don't think he's just there because he likes hockey. I think he's there because the Mariners might be interested in him. And I'm going to tell you, Lyle, if they're interested in him, If they're interested in James Paxton, that is a gamble right there. That is, you're stepping up to the blackjack table, and the dealer has a face card. And you're like, "Uh uh-oh. Yeah, it it could go one of two ways. And I will say, there could be people sitting there saying, oh, well, is James Paxton either just visiting, or is he there because he has residence in Seattle, which as far as I know, I don't want, don't quote me on this and I'm not going to sit here and confirm it, but I'm pretty sure James Paxton still spends time in Seattle in the off season, whether he still lives here or just spends a chunk of time here each off season. He does still have ties to Seattle as far as I'm concerned. So you could say, well, maybe he went to the winter classic because like you said, Canadian roots, likes hockey, wanted to check out a cool event, but no, it wasn't just, he was at the game. He wasn't sitting in section one, 30 with a bunch of his family. He wasn't sitting out in the crowd. No, he's up in the owner's suite. So that says, oh, there's something here. It's not like it's not like James Paxson and John Stanton go back ways and ways and ways. And I should say the Mariners' whole ownership group to the point where, oh, let's kick back, have a couple beers, watch a couple hockey games. No, that's not what's going on. There is a reason he's sitting up in that owner suite. And to your point, yeah, it would be a gamble. Because as we know. James Paxton is high risk, but high reward. Was Blake Snell up there too? Hopefully. Something tells me, something tells me (laughs) James Paxton was okay with the catered food they had up there, but maybe Blake Snell said, you know what? Could I get a, can I get a lobster lunch here at this winter classic? And the Mariners said, well, no, which would be very on, very on brand to the Mariners approach or the Mariners ownership's approach to this offseason saying oh left-handed starter James Paxton left-handed starter Blake Snell one could be on a one-year eight to twelve million dollar deal one's going to cost about 200 million hmm who would we like to host for the winter classic I'm going to pick James Paxton did Blake Snell even get the invite I, I don't think so Blake Snell would is pro was probably sitting in the crowd instead unfortunately and if you if some people are 
wondering the source of this information. It was tweeted by Chad Day, and you might be wondering, well, who the fuck is that? I've never heard of Chad Day before. He doesn't have a check mark. It wasn't Jeff Passan who tweeted it. It wasn't even <clears throat> John Morosi who tweeted it. It wasn't Ken Rosenthal who tweeted it. No, it was Chad Day. And he's not a reporter or anything. And if you scroll through his Twitter timeline, you won't really pick up on much. But I think the one thing you can pick up on is that I'm pretty sure that dude knows James Paxson because guess who was first on the reporting when James Paxson went back to Seattle in 2021? Oh, yeah, it was Chad Day. He was first. It was Jeff Paxton and Ken Rosenthal giving Chad Day credit for breaking that news. Now, I'm guessing if he knew that James Paxton, again, specifically noted that he's in the owner's suite, specifically that information was given to be made public. This isn't a scoop. This is given to be made public that something is happening. And there could be a lot cascading after that should something happen. But there's a lot of layers to this, Lyle. If we're talking about layers earlier, there is layers to this. The first question we need to ask ourselves is that would you be okay with the Mariners signing James Paxton? Lyle, would you be okay with the Mariners signing James Paxton? I would because it's probably not going to be a ton of money. It's probably not going to be some huge contract. It would be the idea that he could pitch at the back end of the rotation or potentially serve as some depth. So in that way, yes, I would. And if you want to double down from the Chad Day report here very quickly, well, first off, if you check Chad Day's Twitter, most of his tweets are about James Paxton. He doesn't tweet a lot. Most of them are James Paxton related. So just scroll his Twitter feed and you'll see, yeah, these guys are tied together. Along with then today, Tuesday, when we're recording this, Chris Cotillo, who's one of the Red Sox beat reporters, he reported uh, the Red Sox have talked to Paxton about a return, but it looks like the Mariners are in play for him again. So now we've got a real report coming from a real beat reporter. So along with the Chad Day tweet, you've got somebody from the Red Sox now also basically confirming this saying, oh, this is picking up traction and steam. So this is real. And yes, I'm okay with James Paxton because one, he's familiar with the team, with the organization. He knows Jerry and Scott. He's played for him. And when he's healthy, and I know that's a big if, he can serve as a very, very reliable or productive back end starter if he is on the field. You caught yourself there at reliable because yeah. he has been anything but reliable since he essentially pitched in New York for the 2019 season. That was his last full major league season. He pitched a portion of the 20, uh, the 2020 season. Then he threw uh, a third of an inning. Yeah, it was a third of an inning in the 2021 season with the Mariners. He, so he's only thrown 20 and two thirds innings from 2020 to, uh, 2020, 2021 and 2022, 20 and two thirds. That's it. Period. He came back last season. He was still dealing with some injuries, but he managed to come back and pitch 96 innings in 2023, and for most of those innings, he was pretty good. He had a pretty bad second half before he finished out the season with injuries. He still can pitch when he's healthy. He he, 100% still can pitch when he's healthy. So here's 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 something that makes you optimistic. He was healthy his first nine starts of the 2023 season. 31% strikeout rate, 2.70 ERA in 50 innings. That's elite. That's elite stuff right there. That's top-of-the-line starter stuff. But then in the innings following that, uh, after that, in the second half, 6-4-6 ERA, just an 18% strikeout rate. And over that, a lot of it came from a 9-2 and thirds inning stretch where he gave up 16 earned runs, and then he went on the I.L. with knee inflammation, which would probably be a reason for that. 
But again, over those final innings uh, of the season, the final 46 innings of the season, he went from elite starter to bad starter. If you're going to pick those two sample sizes, it's the, the question you have to ask yourself as a Mariners fan is, which sample am I buying? I'm going to guess the 46 innings he sucked, he was hurt. That's what That would be my guess. The problem with James Paxton is that he has hurt a lot. He had a number of injuries last season. And it could be, uh, part of it could be he was hurt, and part of it could be, too, the fatigue of coming back from a Tommy John surgery maybe started to wear on him in the second half as well. And I know he didn't throw that many innings. But when you throw less than 25 innings over the course of three seasons, that's going to happen when you throw a 96-inning season. You are going to start to get tired because it's been a long time since you've had a full workload. Here's the one other concern I have about Paxton, and everybody knows about the injury history. We could spend more time on that, but I think that's well noted. He hasn't exactly been a dominate the zone guy since he left Seattle. He has walked more guys substantially since he lost Seattle. And it's not out of control, but when you look, 16, 17, 18, when he was still in Seattle, he was walking less than three per nine. Then since he left, it's gone up. It's, it's over three per nine. I don't know if that's a huge concern to Jerry and Justin or to anybody in the front office, or maybe it's just me overblowing this. I just did happen to see, okay, along with good stuff, and you know he's going to strike a lot of guys out, he's starting to get a little bit more erratic with his command. It could be the organizations he goes to, and it might not be as much of a priority of the Red Sox and the Yankees that he avoids walks at all costs or have a catchy catchphrase. I used the word catch there twice, like control the zone. And instead, James Paxton is just going out there spinning the best stuff he possibly can. I don't think that's a real deal breaker, especially as the podcast who was sitting has been sitting on a tree all offseason screaming, sign Blake Snell. All right, you got a fair point with that. So I'm, listen, listen, like I, said at the, <laughs> like I said toward the start of the pod, I am very open to signing James Paxton if I'm the Mariners. I'm just noting his, his walk rate has risen a little bit since he's left Seattle. Now, if you sign James Paxton, that that five spot, again, that five spot will be occupied by Paxton and then probably Robbie Ray. Who else? Where's the other pitchers going? We'll get to that in a second. But think of this. Think of this. This is how your five spot would be structured. You would be hoping you can get a good half season out of James Paxton, and then your Robbie Ray's coming back after the All-Star break, and because you're paying him a lot of money, he's definitely going back in that spot. And you would essentially be having two pitchers that you're going to need to be very careful with when it comes to making sure they don't get hurt. Like, remember, Robbie Ray is going to be however many months off of Tommy John, but he's still going to be fresh off rehab. And when those guys are fresh off rehab, you don't you don't extend them all the way there. Robbie will be probably on a pitch limit and innings limit over the final two months of the season while they're going to monitor, monitor him very carefully and make sure he gets the offseason healthy. And with James Paxton's injury history, that's going to be the exact same thing. So there's going to be a microscope on that number five spot that, like, can we get 32 healthy starts out of James Paxton and Robbie Ray? If the answer to that question is yes, then I think you make this signing because what will happen after this I think will benefit the Mariners now and in the future. I would throw Emerson Hancock into that five spot too, but he's got the same issues that Paxton and Ray do in the sense that he has endured injuries. So mm-hmm. that's three guys who could occupy the spot. And by signing James Paxton, you are not putting a ton of pressure on Emerson Hancock, a guy who's made three big league starts and has had injury problems of his own, to be that guy at the back end of the rotation. But 
if things go the way they usually go in a season where you need a lot of starting pitching, we will probably see Emerson Hancock at some point in the majors throwing in the rotation for the Mariners in 2024. So if you want to throw him into the mix too, I would, but you need these guys to be healthy. Now, if this signing gets made, like, let's just be flat out and simple. Someone's getting traded. And my bet would be on it's going to be one of Bryce Miller or Brian Wu. Now, before we get to the scenario of if those guys get traded, what would the return be? Let's hear a quick word from BetterHelp. Is something interfering with your happiness or preventing you from achieving your goals? Regardless, if you have a clinical mental health issue like depression or anxiety, or you're just a human who lives in this world who's going through a hard time, therapy can give you the tools to approach your life in a very different way. And that's why I'm excited to tell you about today's sponsor, BetterHelp. BetterHelp's mission is to make therapy more affordable and more accessible. And this is an important mission because finding a therapist can be really hard, especially when you're limited to options in your area. BetterHelp is a platform that makes finding a therapist easier because it's online, it's remote, and by filling out a few questions, BetterHelp can match you to a professional therapist in as little as a few days. It's easy to sign up and get matched with a therapist. There's a link in our description. It's betterhelp.com slash marine layer pod. That's betterhelp.com slash marine layer pod. Clicking the link helps support this podcast, but also gets you 10% off your first month of BetterHelp so you can connect with a therapist and see if it helps you. So if you're struggling, consider online therapy with BetterHelp. Click the link in the description or visit betterhelp.com slash marine layer pod. Okay. The scenario is. The Mariners signed James Paxton to be their number five starter. You have to trade one of Bryce Miller or Brian Wu. Uh, Bryce Miller or Brian Wu. Lyle, what could they get back for those guys now? A ton. Have you seen what the starting pitcher market is this winter? It's ridiculous. Let me give people a couple of examples. Frankie Montas was awful after he got traded from the A's to the Yankees in 2022. He missed basically all of 2023, and the Reds signed him to a one-year deal for $16 million. Chris Sale is owed $27.5 million, is coming off injury issues, is older now. We'll see if he's as effective now. The Red Sox just got back a second baseman in Vaughn Grissom with very good upside and six years of club control. Like, you want to keep going down the list? Lucas Giolito just got nearly $20 million bucks a year. He was so bad. Giolito, yeah. And he and got he just, two years. Two years for $38.5 million. So he got nearly $20 million bucks a year. That's what the bottom end of the starting pitching market is getting. You want to talk about Bryce Miller or Brian Wu? Two guys who have not started their service clocks yet, have shown crazy upside, have really good stuff, and people are vying for young starting pitching. Oh, that price is getting jacked up. And how about a starter in Seth Lugo, who has been a starter for one full season, one full season in his prime, he has been a starter, and he got three years guaranteed at $15 million a pop. That's pretty crazy. Now, here's what I propose to you. The price for Brian Miller and Bryce Wu very well may flip those around. Bryce Miller and Brian Wu. There There we go. Tripping over myself. I've talked too much today. If the price really is, it's probably not two all-stars. That's that's a lot. Two all-stars is a stretch. But two big league bats, two top-tier hitting prospects, that very well could be the price. 
But as I said to you, that is only the price of a team is willing to give up for it. So if the Mariners tell the Tampa Bay Rays, hey, we have Brian Wu available. We would like Yandy Diaz and Randy Arozarena. We will take every cent they are owed for the next however many seasons they're under contract. We'll take them on and you get you get Brian Wu and we'll give you another prospect as well to throw in there because that's probably how it would balance out. Like if the Rays say no to that, that's not the price. Unfortunately, even if that's what we think Brian Wu's worth, that's not the price. What if you go to the Orioles and what if you walk up to What's his name? Michael Elias? Mm-hmm. Michael Elias. You walk up to Michael Elias and you say, hey, Mike, I will give you Bryce Miller, but in return, we want Heston Kerstad and we want Colby Mayo as well, who's MLB ready at AAA right now for the Orioles on the infield. And then Heston Kerstad is a stud and he's supposed to mash in the big leagues. If Michael Elias says no, unfortunately, that's not the price. So we're going to see what the market will dictate with this. Because they very well could be worth that, but that's a lot to ask a team to give up for something I told you I don't even know if it's proven yet in those two starting pitchers. Then I would tell you if that's not the price, the Mariners probably are not trading them. And in that case, they would sign James Paxton simply for starting pitcher depth, which which is fine. The Mariners can use starting pitcher depth. Most teams can use starting pitching depth. And in that scenario, if everybody's even healthy at all at the point that Robbie Ray comes back, then you could use Paxton as a long reliever. Again, if you want to use a six-man rotation at some point to manage some innings for Wu and Miller, you could do that and have an extra guy right at your side. So there's a few things they could do with this. However, I would opt to go with the side of, if they're going to sign James Paxton, not only is a trade likely to happen for one of those arms, but they probably feel like they have something close to in place. Otherwise, I bet you they wouldn't be this serious about it. Again, there are things Paxton could do, even if there's no trade on the table. He could just be depth. He could help with a six-man rotation. But I would guess if they're going to pay 8 to $12 million for James Paxton, which is probably what he's going to cost, because again, the starting pitcher market's nuts. You're not signing Paxton for $2 bucks. If they're going to sign Paxton, I bet you there is something close to getting over the finish line with a trade. Especially given the Mariners' budget this offseason, you can't just go around throwing $12 million. I mean, bitch all you want. Like, we have complained about the payroll. But if they're going to add $12 million of payroll in someone who they can't even guarantee will start 15 games this year, there is some. there better be something else lined up right there. Because that's the only way this makes sense to label yourself as a contender and someone that you say, we're getting better this offseason. Like, that would be it. You, that swing a trade like that would make you better this offseason. And the best part about this, it makes you better beyond this season too, which is what Jerry keeps harping about, right? He keeps harping, we want to be sustainable. We want to be young. We want to have young, exciting, athletic players. Well, this allows you to do that if you were able to pull this off. This hinges on James Paxton saying yes. He might have not said yes yet. But that, that, that information just does not get out. It does not get out with the without players' approval. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like some fan was like peeking up into John Stanton's boss at, box at the Winter Classic and like you know cracking her up two nothing. It's like, hmm, like wonder if John Stanton's up there. I brought my binoculars. It's like searching, searching, searching. Oh, is that a is that a maple leaf tattoo on his left arm? What? What? Uh, oh, it's James Paxton up there, huh? Is there is there an eagle on his shoulder? Potentially. You yeah. know, I wouldn't have been shocked if someone was actually trying to stalk John Stanton's owner's suite. 
I think that would have been very on brand. People were like, this is the only way I'm getting into T-Mobile Park this off season to to try and make my stamp on something that's been frustrating. Let's see what uh, Johnny Boy is up to. Yeah, yeah you're, you're right. It's not some fan that took a picture saying, is this Big Maple in the owner suite? It's not some <laughs> fan that posted it. No, it's 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 a real report. So I would say this. I've I've pieced this out into two different proposals. Let's say it's the Rays. We've heard the Rays a lot. Let's say they're interested. I mean, Yandy Diaz and Randy Rosarena would be an unreal return. I would be jumping for joy if they got both of those guys in a trade for one arm. But the one I cooked up was still Paredes and Randy, which are still two phenomenal players. Again, Isak Paredes, talk about his batted ball profile all you want. He led third baseman in WRC Plus this past year. Let it. It's a very good offensive position. I would say a trade like that would probably cost one of the arms and then would probably cost some prospects. The guys I threw in 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 a potential prospect trade, I said Gabby Gonzalez and I said Michael Arroyo. So that's a high upside infielder, high upside outfielder. They're both inside the Mariners top 10. It would probably cost a little bit more to get proven bats like that. But if it's guys that are on the similar scale to where Miller and Wu are, so you want to go over to the Orioles here and let's say Heston Kerstad and Kobe Mayo. Or maybe in the Mariners world, let's say they like Jordan Westberg better than Kobe Mayo, and it was cursed out in Westberg. I think that's that would just cost the arm. I don't think that would cost any prospects. Again, look at what the market has been. The Mariners are not going to have to trade some haul to get back. I mean, sorry, let me rephrase that statement. It is a haul to give up one of these young arms. Both of these guys are incredible talents with really high upside. We've seen the splitter from Bryce Miller this winter. The Mariners will be giving up a haul, but to also get a haul. And to get the haul of an infielder and an outfielder at two positions of need with six years of club control, that is a lot for the Mariners to get back. I don't think it's going to cost more than one arm. Look at what the market's been. This is the price for pitching. So I think if they went to the Orioles and wanted two of those guys, there's a world they could get them. And the key there is unproven because if you walked up to the Orioles and you said, well, I want Gunnar Henderson. If they said yes to that, that's one for one, flat out. If that, it might, well, it, it might. I I think that trade just gets shut down. I think the Orioles right. are saying no chance we're Probably moving on. Probably not. He'd be nice. I, yeah. I think he would. He would fit. He'd fit right in. But <laughs> you're right. I don't think they ever say yes. And that's I'm gonna I'm gonna come back to my point about the Mariners offering up these two arms because we know what they value and we know what the market values them at. That is a lot for a team to give up. Like, the Rays want to win next year. Like, flat out, they want to win next year. And trading Randy and Isak Paredes for, again, not a proven starter. Like, let's let's be very clear. Bryce Miller and Brian Wu have shown you some great things on the mound. They have shown you they have the ability to be big league starters over months this past season. Now, the key word there is ability. They have shown you the ability. But they are not proven by any stretch. They have not pitched enough to get the proven label thrown on them. So that is a huge risk for these teams to give up multiple big league caliber bats for someone you can't guarantee is a success. You can't. As as high as we are on them, you cannot guarantee that. And that will come around to the teams making having to make the ultimate decision whether they feel like that the market rate is worth it. And if they don't feel like the market rate is worth it, then unfortunately, that's not the market for Bryce Miller and Brian Wu. Yeah, I, I agree with all that. I'm just sitting here. Where where was I going with this thought? I had something pop into my head. 
All right, I'll circle back to it. But oh, I know what I was going to say. Your your point about being proven. George Kirby after two years is now proven. What Logan Gilbert did after 2022 paired with 2021, by that point entering 23, he was proven. Bryce Miller and Brian Wu are very good. And they have, like you said, they've shown the ability to be really good starting pitchers. I think another year under their belt is how you can really justify proven. Because Brian Wu was on a very short innings limit this year. They had to really manage him. Bryce Miller was really good at the start and then had his hills and valleys at points of the year, which is pretty normal for a rookie. I think if they have another good year too, each of them, then they are truly proven. But just because they are not technically as proven as Kirby and Gilbert doesn't mean they don't warrant a lot of value. Because again, I don't think the Mariners are making this trade unless they are really getting a haul back. You've heard Ryan Divish report. They don't really want to trade one of these starters. They have no, it's not that they don't have an incentive, it's not that they don't have an incentive to, but it's not like they're jumping at the bit to do it. I think they're really going to have to be blown away to deal one of these guys off. And if they do, it's going to be a haul. Is there a more realistic, like, is there a better trade option in baseball that's realistic for any team? Is there a more valuable trade asset? I'm trying to think out there. I was thinking, if the Phillies had Andrew Painter, that's his name, right? Healthy, and he's 20. He's the number one pitching prospect last year. and But he's had Tommy John. He's still recovering. If he pitched in the big leagues, I would put him over him. But otherwise... Who? Grayson Rodriguez? And, you know, he he's had injury problems. He's had his ups and downs, just like any rookie starter has. If you're a team that truly believes what a lot of the baseball world seems to believe and what a lot of scouts appear to believe, that Brian Wu truly has frontline stuff and has the ability to pitch toward the top of a rotation when he's in his prime, then no. And if you believe that Bryce Miller is like that, then also no. Because how are you, where in the world else are you getting a guy that has six years of club control and has shown flashes of being a really good big league starter with high upside that's on the market? That doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. It's only happening with the Mariners because their pitching is so ridiculous. Yeah, and guys like Grayson Rodriguez are not on the market because the Orioles don't have pitching. There's a reason we're proposing this trade. What are the odds we think this happens now? What do we think? I would say... James Paxton is currently not signed. If James Paxton, where we sit this second, I would say more like 20 to 25%. If Paxton gets signed, probably somewhere in the 50 to 60% range. Hmm. I was going to be a little higher. I was going to say, especially since that information got out, 50% right now. Oh, okay. And if if the information wasn't out, then we'd probably still be very low because all we have is Jerry's words to go on. But with the information we've been given, like it just seems like something's going to happen. It it just, this stuff is not like everything is calculated. Everything, everything is calculated. Shohei Otani was on a fake plane (laughs) because it was calculated, calculated to make the Dodgers increase their, their offer by a hundred million dollars. Yeah. Like, that's what, why these things happen. The amount of information that goes on behind the scenes that we have no idea about, like the average fan who doesn't really care about these things, you'd be kind of surprised the amount of things that are known behind the scenes that the public never knows about because they just never become public. And the little tidbits of information that agents and players and owners and GMs make public are for strategic reasons. 
oh, I'd love to be a fly on the wall for a week inside the Mariners' front office walls during the offseason. I just love to be a fly on the wall. You just hear Jerry, Justin, the front office group just Again, I don't know exactly what goes goes into their day-to-day, but assuming they are working on potential off-season acquisitions daily, just hearing the names that get thrown out there, the contracts that might be getting thrown out there, what agents are saying, what other teams are saying, I would soak it all up. It's two people who are just baseball nuts like we are and are so in- invested in the Mariners. Oh, I'd love to sit and be a fly on the wall for a week and just hear all that stuff. I do. There's one other thing I wanted to throw out. Yeah, I was going to say, there's also one other team that we didn't mention, the Cincinnati Reds. Oh, that's not the other team I was going to mention. I was going to say the Cardinals. Yeah, the Cardinals are... Okay, so that's two other teams. Same division, so close enough. Uh, It would not be Jonathan India. Nope, I I would... Nope, I don't approve. I I don't... I I flat out just say no. Absolutely. The the call is ended. It is over. You know what? Let me just add on. If, If Bryce Miller or Brian Wu is traded for Jonathan India, tune into that podcast, please. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The other options where they could, this has been thrown out there, they could trade back for Noel V. Marte and Spencer Steer, I think. That's not as enticing as the first two options we listed, but that's one out there. That might be a little on the low end. Oh, dog. You get Jake Fraley back. That honestly honestly is not the worst idea in the world. Jake Fraley. He does everything you want. So Noel V. Marte, Spencer Steer, Jake Fraley. Yeah, I mean, you fill an outfield spot, two infield spots. Jake hits. He hits now. He hit this year. I mean, he hit a little bit with the Mariners in 21, too. So, yeah, sure. And he walked. Mm-hmm. He would I, he would he would have a spot. Yeah, he would. I, look, Noel V. had a good little stint in the majors when he got up. Now, is, is it going to sustain? Is he really going to live up to that top 20 prospect status he once upon a time had? Or is this just a flash in the pan? We'll see. Yeah, the Reds would be interesting. The Cardinals, again, circle back to all those same names. Brendan Donovan, Nolan Gorman. Maybe if the Mariners threw in some other prospects. Again, maybe Jordan Walker's on the table all of a sudden. Although, I bet you the Cardinals probably steer away from trying to from trading him. But... There are some teams that make a lot of sense. Is is there a mystery team out there we're not thinking about? Like all four of those teams make sense, and there's teams that there are teams that have been connected with the Mariners this winter. Is there that that was the next question I was going to ask before you threw out that last thing of yours? Is is there any other teams out there that might be slept on? There are because there are a bunch of teams that need starting pitching. The problem is they couldn't afford it. The Mariners would never say yes. Well, we're we're listing teams that have the assets and the the things the Mariners need and guys that we think are available actually, opposed to teams that uh, opposed to teams that have a need at starting pitching but don't have any fits for the Mariners. Like, wouldn't wouldn't you love to swap for Josh Young, the Rangers? Wouldn't that be great? Like the the Rangers need starting pitching next season, yeah. but. They're never going to give up Josh Young, so the conversation and, just ends. And the Mariners are not making that trade in division. No, they're not. And the Rangers wouldn't either because they love Josh Young. I mean, the dude started at third in the All-Star game. Mm-hmm. At the beginning of the offseason, I might have thrown the Dodgers out there, but something tells me their need for starting pitching has kind of waned in in recent weeks. I think they like proven starters. Hmm. Yeah. I think they can uh, I think they can they can pay up. I was gonna say with something like Miller or Wu for James Outman and maybe somebody else makes some sense at the beginning no. of the offseason. No. No. The Do-, Do the Dodgers even have the prospects to trade anymore? I don't think so. They gave them up. 
Yeah, I mean, I, Outman would be a good start. He put up four wins as an outfielder in his rookie year, but they it would probably cost a little bit more than that, right? For a starting pitcher with six years of control. Yes. Yeah. So that that one probably again, this is just a total hypothetical because the Dodgers do not need starting pitching anymore. It's funny when you stack your roster full of elite big league players, you just don't really have room for your young position players to showcase themselves and it's really unfortunate because you and I will never know if the Dodgers actually have young players and young players who are big league ready that that would make good trade fits we don't know because the Dodgers like you know what we're just going to try and win instead one of the few we've gotten to see is Outman and the Dodgers being the Dodgers a guy who was not some raved about prospect he was a late round draft pick he was taken in the eighth ninth tenth round and now he is a four-win outfielder and probably sticking in center field for a long time for the Dodgers. Yeah, who else could maybe think about starting pitching? Oh my God, have you seen have you seen any of this Red Sox Twitter stuff the last few days? No, I haven't. I don't know what they're sipping over there in Boston, but I have seen some Red Sox tweets that are just insanity. The, the, like. First off, they think like Logan Gilbert is very much expendable for the Mariners and the packages that they're trying to put together to send back are they in their mind, they think is great. They've been making arguments for Cutter Crawford, who, by the way, put up an 0.1 B-War as a rookie and said him and like one other guy would probably do it for Logan Gilbert. In fact, if, if they, they've been making points saying if Cutter Crawford was in Seattle, people would rave about him like he's an ace. I was like, I don't <laughs> think that's how it works. Like, <laughs> wow. I didn't know, oh, dude, I don't, I didn't again, know Logan I don't, Gilbert was so popular in Boston. Dude, again, I don't know what these Red Sox fans have been sipping, but they're they're off the rocker with some of these ideas. I thought they cleaned all the tea out of the harbor, anyways. That's oh, stupid. Yeah, that's funny. I, I do. Don't you love Reddit? Is that I, where you found that? No, that was Twitter. It's very oh, much wow. on Twitter. Wow. Okay. Well, I could only imagine what the Reddit the Reddit discussion would be. Man, what? Who else needs starters? Uh, I mean, there's the Braves there's, need starters, but I don't know who they're trading. I don't think they'd trade much of anybody in that starting nine for, for a starter. Mm-hmm. Unless they you think they'd get rid of Ozzie Albies, but they just got rid of Von Grissom. So I don't know who'd play second base in that scenario. Exactly. So in terms of contenders and teams you'd you'd be okay sending to, and you also gotta consider the again, you gotta consider the return. So most of the teams like right away, like the A's could use Brian Wu, Lyle. Do you don't Whoa. want Tony Kemp? <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, <laughs> If you're throwing out teams like that, the Rockies need starters. The Pirates need starters. Like, if you want to go that route, sure. Well, Pirates actually isn't quite as terrible. No, it's not because they're they're actually building something and getting a lot better. That's okay. That's probably a bad example. But yeah, the Rockies, the A's, the Angels need starting pitching. Like, if you want to go down that route, sure. But I don't think that's exactly where the Mariners are targeting their You're telling me you don't want Logan O'Hoppy? Yeah, because this team needs all, more catchers after signing Mitch Garver, who's not really going to catch, and trading for Sebi Zavala this winter, and already having Cal Raleigh. Could Toronto make some sense? No, I mean, they kind of need, they kind of have some starting pitching in place. I'm just uh, thinking about how they have bats. So is that like a Boba Shet for Brian Wu? We, I mean, the Mariners would have to give up more than that. They would. That. They would probably have to do that. So... Brian Wu in a in a top five prospect for Boba Yeah, if not more, to be that honest. Would work. Yeah, that that would work. 
Uh, I don't know if Vladdy would cost quite as much because he's not a doesn't play a premier position and hasn't had a good a great offensive season in two years. Mm-hmm. Um, but you'd probably still need to give up another prospect on top of that. I mean, that's not a terrible. That's not a. T- that's not a terrible thing, but I just don't know if they're, they're giving up on those guys this offseason, especially since they didn't land the big fish. And if Cody Bellinger doesn't sign there, then they would be actively making their lineup worse. While, like, in theory, if everything works out with Brian Lure, Bryce Miller, the rotation's getting better, but it very well might not. It mm-hmm. might not. And and look, Toronto has a good rotation already. It's I mean, it's a playoff-level rotation, but... Young starting pitching can do a lot, and and they could they that's a team that can still use more starters. Again, Gosman is great. Barrios is locked up on a contract. You still have Yusei Kikuchi, but Alec Manoa, you have no idea. Like there are, there are spots to fill in that rotation. They don't have the depth that the Mariners have. So if they were serious about adding pitching, maybe. Yeah, there's teams out there that could use it. I'm sure we could spitball a few more if we really wanted to. But I think at the end of this hypothetical conversation i think the two teams that make the most sense that are in the a level tier would be the rays and the orioles and the next tier down would be the cardinals and the reds Mm -hmm. i will i'll concur with that Uh, which would you prefer it's the rays right that's it has to be because those guys are proven they are they are stars that make you better right now again say what you want to say about isak Paredes. oh yeah it's bad at ball profile we know like we like it's been talked about enough but you know what WRC plus cuts through a lot of ballpark factor stuff. So I'm not saying there's no concerns with Paredes. We've talked about what those are, but if you're getting the guy who led third baseman in WRC plus to play a position of very, very much need right now, sign me up. And let me just cut to the chase here. Uh, If you want to win, if you want to see this team get significantly better at this point, this needs to happen. This, this needs to happen. They need to go do this to take that next step. It, it's going to have to happen. It's going to suck. Brian Wu could be starting an all-star game in three years. That's how good he is. He could be. But if you want this to happen, this needs to, this has to happen. And this needs to happen this offseason as well. And yeah, it might be uncomfortable if the Mariners have to go out there, trade Brian Wu, and hey, maybe they have to trade Cole Emerson as well to the Rays because that's what the price is. Maybe they have to do that. But at this point, you got to do what you got to do because the bill has come. The time is right freaking now. Right now. Mm-hmm. Unhug your prospects and go make the moves. Boom. And if the, and if the Rays really are not going to budge, then go to the Orioles. It's not quite the proven bat to the Rays, but you know what? If you get Heston Kerstad for six years and either Kobe Mayo or Jordan Westberg for six years, if that's the package, you have to do it. You have a surplus of pitching and not enough hitting. You cannot run Luis Urias out there as your third baseman every day for 162 games. You cannot have what is currently projected in right field to be your answer for a team that claims to be contending for a World Series. Again, you, like what a bunch of utility guys and other outfielders that you can throw into the mix in right field being your solution, that's not going to work. No, it's not. And if you need a refresher, Check out our Friday episode, please. We have laid out the Mariners lineup spot by spot. And you sit there and you look and it's like, it's not a playoff lineup. I know we said we did say some nice things, but they're not a playoff lineup. That's not a playoff lineup. No, it's not. But you know what would make the Mariners a playoff lineup? 
if they go make one of these moves, especially if it's the Rays. Mm-hmm. I'm wanna... interested to see how like how the Orioles trade would work out this season. Like, would they be better this year with those guys this year? Like better than the current group? Yes. Better than last year with those Orioles guys this season. It's not a guarantee. Those guys may have some learning to do. Kobe Mayo has crushed the minor leagues, but we know it's a big jump. We saw it with Jared Kelnick. We've seen it with other guys that have made their way to the big leagues from the minors. That just because they crushed it in the minor leagues doesn't mean it's an immediate transition. But I think that it, in long-term, absolutely, it makes them better. And if you mean worse in the sense of they won 88 games last year, could they win somewhere from 86 to 88, maybe 89 again with this roster, if that's all they do, and get into the playoffs and have a run the way the Diamondbacks did, who got in with less wins than the Mariners? Sure. Are you locking in that this roster with the Orioles trade would be better than the Mariners? No, because Kerstad and Mayo both have developing to do, and they are not totally proven yet. And you again, then you would be your outfield would be the Dom, Kerstad, and Julio. Mm-hmm. Is Julio still the youngest of those three? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Kerstad, Kerstad was the number two pick again out of college, out of Arkansas. I know. I know. That is so funny to think about. It's like, yep, not worried about the 23-year-old. No. But the other two, oh, we'll watch see. Watch out. <laughs> Again, I, I think Dom's going to have a good year. I really do. Like, like I think he's going to click this year. And I think Kerstad has a chance to have a good year, too. But it doesn't guarantee that they are going to be better than last year. Correct. It doesn't. And it doesn't guarantee. And we can't, unfortunately, guarantee either of those guys are going to be good. Because we just haven't seen it at the big league level. You can crush the minors all you want. You can crush AAA all you want. But push comes to shove needs to happen at the big league level, and we haven't seen it. Let me throw out this potential lineup as we start to close out the show. Let's say they make the trade with the Rays. JP leads off. Julio hits second. You've got, let's put a Rosarena third. Let's put Cal fourth. Paredes fifth. Garver sixth. Canzone set, or Ty France seventh. Canzone eighth. Josh Rojas ninth. I like that lineup. That checks out. Like, here are the things that lineup does. I mean, first of all, the depth of the lineup. You can keep the left-right mix at least somewhat. If Mitch Garver is batting sixth, that's pretty good. And that's that's what he should be doing. Again, if they make a couple more impact moves, that's where Garver should be hitting. And he's a good hitter. But you know where he hit for the Rangers? It's right around there. He wasn't hitting third or fourth. He was hitting toward the middle, the bottom end of the lineup and was really good. I'm down. I'm down. You don't have to convince me of that. I'm, I will wish Brian Wu the best of luck in his endeavors to Tampa Bay. If they can pull that off. Yeah. Or Bryce Miller. But yeah. Yeah. Or Bryce Miller. That makes the Mariners better, both from last season and into the future as well. Paredes has four years of control. Randy's got three. Mm-hmm. You could always extend them in a couple of years if you're interested in an extension. But for the that is that fits the window, right? Until yeah. all these guys start to get really expensive, those are guys that are in this window. It fits the it fit again. It fits both the future and current window, which mm-hmm. is really what you want. And it's not it's not even overly expensive. Like if we get bitch and complain about money, that money should not be an issue with that lineup in any way. You shouldn't have to worry about, oh, we don't have enough cash to pay any for everyone. 
Really? Not with that lineup. And it would still be good. You'd still be great. You'd still be a playoff caliber team. So I don't want to hear any of that if that happens. It should not happen. They've got to do something. And if they go sign James Paxton, I would tell people to buckle up because while it's not going to be a 100% guarantee they make a trade, I would expect it at that point. I would expect something. I think that, with all that being said, just about wraps up this edition of the Marine Layer Podcast. You guys know the drill. If you want to listen to the full-form podcast, you can do so on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon, wherever you get your audio pods. Download our episodes. Leave us a five-star review. Follow the show if you're not already doing so already. We're going to do a mailbag episode on Friday, by the way. So send in your questions over the next day or so. If you've got any and want any of those questions answered for Friday, watch the full video podcast on YouTube. Like, comment, subscribe over there. And on social media, we're on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube shorts at Marine Layer Pod. That's TJ. I'm Lyle. As always, we thank you guys for tuning in. We'll talk to you soon.